Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. God's Word is powerful. Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, but not God's word. It's the most important word you'll ever hear at any time. All right, let's pray and dive into God's word. Father, I thank you so much for the power of your word, and I pray that you will speak to us now. May your word feed us. It is bread from heaven that has been sent down for us to nourish us for the work you've called us to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. When I came here at Watoto, uh, first as a 10-year-old, gave my heart to Jesus, and then I had my teenage challenges. I tried to explore life outside of Christ, and honestly, it was meaningless. It made me empty, and the more I tried to think it would fill me, the more empty I became. And then when I was 16, I renewed my commitment for Jesus, uh, and I said, I'm going to give it all for Jesus. And my friend said, hey, why don't you come for a service here at Watoto? So I did come. KPC then sat upstairs. And wow, I'd never seen anything like it. It was full of young people, full of life. Uh, and those days, our founders, Pastor Gary used to lead worship. And Marilyn was on the keyboard. We would sing. There's a song, I'll rejoice in you and be glad. And we were not as packed as we are today. And we would hold hands, drumming after you. And we would run. And I said, you mean you can't even run in church? Those were the things that were going through me. And then the word was preached. It was dynamic. It was powerful. It was practical. But something that really captured my heart was the vision. Because it was beyond the four walls. All I thought about church those days was everything that only happened in the four walls. But here, I got to discover that church, true church, is beyond the four walls. That vision really captured my heart so hard. And as we are pioneering again, we wanted to go back and we have to talk about our vision. Because along the way, God has brought so many people who are now a part of the Watoto family, but actually I do not know what this vision is. And for those of us who know the vision, you know, things happen and along the way we begin to lose passion for the vision. So it's important to always go back to the very purpose, the very picture for which God has called us. This is true for Watoto, is true for your life. Always go back to that place where God called you and remind yourself. So we've been doing that over the past uh, weeks and today... We want to talk about that very thing that gripped my heart, which was church beyond the four walls, about caring for community. So as Watoto, we celebrate Christ, but we also care about community. We care for community. We are an English-speaking, cell-based community church. Caring for community. 
So I want to answer four questions today. The first one is, who owns community? Second one is, who is responsible for community? And the third one is, who is responsible for community transformation? The fourth one is, how can we practically pursue godly community transformation? So what I want to talk about. So, who owns community? I love the story that, uh, again, Gary shares, having a conversation with God and God asked him that very question, who owns community? And he began to give his answers. Thought, hmm, the government owns community? God said, no way. He says, maybe the people? No. And then God let him know a very powerful truth. I own community. Listen, my friends. God owns community. We have a ministry here in Uganda, a department in charge of lands, and they give people titles. Okay? God has the title deed for planet Earth. And not just planet Earth, every planet, he has the title deed for the universe. Psalm 24, here's what it says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. God owns community. He owns it. He created it. He is the owner. The second question is, okay, if God owns community, who is responsible for community? It's the owner. God is still responsible for community. But here's the amazing thing. When God created this beautiful world, And he made sure there was water. He made sure there were trees and flowers and food. And then he put the animals, the birds in the air, the fish in the sea. He did all of that. And he decided, I am going to create human beings in my own image. And then here's what God did. He decided to delegate the responsibility of looking after community to human beings. He's responsible, but he has chosen that we human beings actually carry the responsibility for community. But here's what happened. Sin came into the world and messed up everything. And then we began to have relationship problems. Community began to have challenges. Even the earth itself that was supposed to host us began to be violent towards us, the inhabitants. So you begin to have issues of natural disasters happening that hurt community. And then people doing uh, things that will hurt each other and bring, bring brokenness to community. And so the pain and the problems that we see in community is because as human beings, we have walked away from God And have begun to do things that hurt community. Listen to me. Every pain 
every problem in community can be traced to a person. If it's not a natural disaster, you can trace that pain or that problem to a person. Name it. So God delegated responsibility for the community to human beings. And because of sin, we have begun to create havoc to one another and create pain in the community. So the third question is this. Then who is responsible for changing that? Who is responsible for community transformation? I hope you know the answer now. God still is still God. But this is what God has chosen. He has chosen to bring about community transformation, not just through people, but through his people now. He does it through his chosen people. You can see that in the scriptures. When the children of Israel were going through bondage, God chose Moses and said, Moses, I want you to go and set my people free. He chose his people. When Egypt was going through a famine and a crisis, God used this person called Joseph. And they say, Joseph, I'm giving you a strategy that will keep this entire nation going even through famine. When the nation of Israel was threatened by a giant called Goliath, and we have been threatened by many giants in our communities, what did God do? He chose David, his person, a man after his own heart, and said, I want you to bring the giant down. Whenever God wants to bring community transformation, he he will choose his people. When the people, the Jews were threatened by a genocide, what did God do? He chose a lady called Esther. Said, Esther, I am going to use you to deliver the children from, the children of Israel from this genocide. And today, God still uses his people. Who are God's people? The church. Listen to me. Every community pain can be addressed by God's people. When the redeemed of the Lord partner with the redeemer of the world, we will see community redemption. Let me say that again. When we, the redeemed of the Lord, God's people, partner with the redeemer of the world, God the Father, through his son Jesus, then community redemption and transformation becomes possible becomes possible. There is a sociologist called Rodney Stark. I think that's his name. He wrote a book, The Rise of Christianity. 
And here's what he said. He studied, not from a Christian perspective, but from a sociological perspective. And he began to evaluate why is it that the movement of Christ followers, Christians, became so powerful, threatened the Roman Empire, and many years later, this movement is still growing and empires have come and gone. He tried to trace back. How did it all begin? And here's what he discovered. And this was true. The heart of caring for community is what has sustained the Christian movement today. And so he began to research and he found that at a time when people were getting rid of their babies in high infanticide, especially female babies, the Christians took the babies in. Just like we have baby Watoto today. They said, no, every life is valuable. Don't throw away the babies. When they would find a baby who has been abandoned, they would take them in. Secondly, women were not valued by the pagan society. The Christians knew that we were all created in the image of God. Women had value. And so many women came and started joining the Christian movement. And they brought their children along. And their lives began to change. And guess what? Their husbands also began to come along. The other thing was that in a time of plague, when there was sickness and a plague hit society, people ran away from the community, not the Christians. The Christians went and risked their lives to care for the community. And people began to say there's something different about the believers. They really care. The scripture we read in Acts some weeks ago, the Bible says they even sold their property to care for each other and none was in need. Caring for community is not a good idea. It is a God assignment. So as Watoro Church, we care for community because God owns community. He is responsible for community. And if he wants to bring transformation in community, he looks for his people, the church. So, how can we practically engage in godly community transformation? Please hear me. Every single one of you here today in this building, watching online, you don't live at church. You live in the community. And I can guarantee you, there is a community pain that you see. You know what? God is looking to you to be the solution to that community pain. Every single one of us here, if we decided we are going to care for the pain in community, healing will come to the cities and the nations. That's all God is looking for. All our cell families don't just exist for fellowship. That's one of the things. We exist to bring the love of Jesus into our communities in a practical way. We do seed projects. We do things in community that will begin to make community livable again. 
So how can we do it practically? There's a, a, a book in the Bible that is amazing. And I encourage you to read it when you get time. The book of Nehemiah. And it's about this man, Nehemiah, who really is an example of rebuilding an entire community. And there are principles that I, I want to draw out here for us to take. And these principles are really simple but practical when it comes to caring for community. And if we applied all of them, I tell you what, we will begin to see community transformation. We'll begin to write some new stories. So, Nehemiah, for those of you who don't know, he's a captive and he's now working in the king's palace. And one day he gets a visit from his brothers. Nehemiah chapter 1. And here's what it says. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. And also about Jerusalem. They say to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Principle number one, for us to see community transformation, we must have a heart for community. Nehemiah had a heart for his community. The moment he heard about the state of his people, his heart broke and he cried. He wept. In fact, when you continue reading that portion of scripture, he went before God. We cannot transform community if we don't have a heart for community. We are seeing some news this past two weeks, the social media has been awash with news of some of our leaders in this nation who stole iron sheets that were meant for a very poor community in Uganda. Let me tell you what that is. It is a lack of heart for community. We have heartless leaders. They don't care. They are so selfish. We cannot talk community transformation if we don't have our hearts for community. Jesus said, these are the two greatest commandments. Love God with everything you've got. But the second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. How can you take those iron sheets and you think your cattle needs them more than human beings? That's a lack of heart. Watoro Church, we're going to be different. We are going to carry the Father's heart for the broken communities. We are going to have that kind of heart. We don't need a position for community transformation. We need the right heart. And God will partner with us to see community transformation. The things that break God's heart 
need to break our hearts. So first principles, make sure you have a heart. If you don't have a heart for your community, ask God to give you a heart. Say, God created me a heart that loves community. And that heart will begin to motivate you to see things the way God sees them. Second principle, when it comes to community transformation, is you, you cannot transform something that you don't engage with. Intentional engagement. And that word is very specific, intentional. In other words, as, as ourselves, families, as Watoro Church, we don't do things for community. Because that's a Messiah mentality. You think you can save community. We do things with the community. That's the engagement. I remember us in our small group uh, where we live. We uh, invited community. It was a, for, for cleaning. We started with a, our drains were being uh, blocked. And when it rained, it would flood. So we came together and we asked the LC chairperson, the local area political leader, would you mobilize people so we can address some things? We started with the cleaning project. It ended up with a security project. How? We began to say, why don't you create a group so that we all can find out what's going on? And everybody in community, let me tell you, community pain is not unique. Everybody feels the pain. And everybody says, yeah, we could do something. You know what's doing that? The church being active in community and working with community to bring about a solution. And we formed a group and the police was on that group. And I mean, it was just amazing. And we, we, up to today, we text. And here's what, every night, here's what the police uh, uh, chief in charge of our area does. Posts and says, hey, we are on patrol. In case you have a need, don't hesitate to call. Something has changed. One day with heavy rains... Our gate at home, the gate man didn't close the gate properly. The winds blew the gate open. And he was sleeping because when it's raining, it's good to sleep. And he was dead asleep. And the police came in, found the gate open, entered in. And they tried to phone me, but my phone was off. And so in the morning, I find missed calls and I phone them back. And he says, Pastor, we were doing our patrols and we found your gate wide open. We thought some of these thugs had come in and taken your things. Are you okay? I said, we're fine. Say, please tell your security guard to be more alert next time. But I tell you how that happened. We engaged intentionally with community. And when you engage with community, community begins to care about the needs of the community. Transformation begins to happen. Here's what Nehemiah did in Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, verse 7 to 10, he says, this is what he was doing when he was beginning to prepare for his community work. He said to the king, if it please the king, continue, uh, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River. He's asking for letters. Instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph the manager of the king's forests, instructing him to give me timber. He's engaging his leader for a community work intentionally. I will need to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. 
And the king granted these requests. Why? Because the gracious hand of God was on me. God's hand was on him. He found favor with the community leaders. And transformation began to happen. When you decide to go and engage in community transformation, you are not alone. God is with you. And that's why the responsibility for community transformation is with God's people. It's with us. The fourth, and I'm not going to take much time on the, these last two because we see them every day, is this. Perseverance. Community transformation takes time. It takes hard work. And there are people that will be opposed to the work that you do. But don't give up. The Bible says don't grow weary in doing well. For when due season we will reap a harvest if we faint not. Today you will do a work and clean up. Tomorrow somebody's going to make a mess there. You don't stop. You keep doing good. And the more we are persistent, little by little, community by community, healing will come to the cities and the nations. When Nehemiah began to rebuild the wall, when he began to rebuild the city, there were two gentlemen you must never name your children after. One was called San Balat. The other one was called Tobias. Please, please, mothers and fathers, don't name your children San Balat or Tobias. Even if you add sent before them, they don't have a good record in the scriptures. Here's what these guys did. Let me, let me read. Nehemiah, for Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, what does this bunch of poor feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can rebuild the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Then Tobiah joined the Ammonite who was standing beside him. He remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then Nehemiah did something. That's why it's God's people. Because we know how to pray. Then I prayed. Hear us our God. For we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. The end of the story is the city was rebuilt and life was transformed. Why? God's people who persevered. And the final thing is this. True community transformation is a heart transformation of the people in the community. We must call people to return back to God. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. 
Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watertochurch.com. Hey, hey.